Welcome to City Church. City Church is a biblically-based, relationally-driven, spirit-led church, encouraging everyone to follow Jesus and serve others. We're excited to share this sermon with you today, and you can always find out more about us online at citychurchseville.com. Well, it's good to be gathering together as we are processing through this sermon series that's entitled Growing Together. As most of us are well aware, there is a rather big football game this afternoon, and ultimately what that game is, it's sort of the culmination of the season. It's when everyone kind of looks back through the year and the two best teams gather to play together. And uh, as part of that as well, here at City, we have mentioned that this Sunday is the Sunday where all of us would wear our favorite team jerseys to church. And I am wearing a UVA jersey is my three kids, uh, two are there now, one graduated. But it's pretty cool to take note that UVA's men's basketball team was the national champs two years in a row. And the reason why we were national champs two years in a row is we won two years ago, and then there wasn't a national championship game last year, so we're still national champs. But in my world, that's two years in a row that UVA men's basketball has been the national champions. Now, most of you know I'm a Green Bay Packer fan, and I asked our church to pray for the Packers, and uh, people didn't pray enough, so the Packers didn't win. But I have a rule of thumb, and that is you always want to root for the team that beat your team. So I'll be cheering for Tampa Bay this evening and just trusting that they'll win it all. Now, oftentimes on the big football game Sunday, I take an opportunity to kind of highlight some basic things here at City. So I wanted to do that again this morning. Now, oftentimes I'll have people that come up on stage and they'll join me and they'll share a little bit of their God story. And this year, because of COVID, we're not going to have people on stage, but you're gonna hear from several people this morning during this sermon via video who are gonna be sharing a little bit of what God's been doing in their hearts and lives and what God's called them to do and to be here through City Church. Now, as I was prayerfully approaching this sermon, there's kind of a, a theme verse, sort of a coalescing verse that God put on my heart, and it's Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. And that scripture says this, being confident of this, that he, meaning Jesus, would, who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That verse is one of those verses that challenges us to know and to believe that Jesus Christ, who has redeemed us, who has reached out to us, has drawn us to himself through the Spirit, that he will complete the work that he's begun. But oftentimes when discipling people through this verse, they'll ask me, well, Pete, is it Jesus does it or do I do it? And the Scripture teaches us that it's the Spirit of God that gives us the will to do what God calls us to do. But it's also the case that in the midst of that, we make choices or decisions. So oftentimes people will say, well, Pete, we're confident of Jesus Christ that he'll complete the work that he's begun. So is it Jesus or is it me? And the answer is yes. It's yes. It's that we are submitting ourselves to Christ. In the midst of that, we discover that the work of Christ is being deeply worked in and through our hearts and our lives. 
And as part of that idea, this sermon series and our theme has been growing together. It's the idea that we have focused on and we've committed ourselves to growing spiritually. Actually, last Sunday, we completed a 21-day of fasting and prayer where we utilized a devotional book called Pursuit. And as sort of as a reminder that beginning on Ash Wednesday, we will start another devotional together as a church family that's known as Pause 40 Words for 40 Days. You've heard that mentioned multiple times here at City. And what I'm going to ask that you would do in order to grow together with us and in order to get that devotional, if you would just go to the City Church website right there, you'll see Lent, click on that, and then sign up for this journey that we'll be taking together as we commit to growing together. And we'll make sure that you get one of those devotionals in time for Ash Wednesday. Now, as I was thinking about where we've been as a church and excited about where we're going as a church, I had discovered beautifully that there have been people around town who I didn't even know were participating in this Pursuit 21-day devotional with us. As a matter of fact, it was just two or three nights ago, I was out and about, I was on grounds and bumped into a friend of mine and we stepped into a conversation where they were mentioning to me that they and their spouse have been doing pursuit with us, that they've committed to growing together with us, and it's so exciting to hear that people are making that commitment. Well, again, I want to encourage all of us and more of us to make that commitment as we move towards Easter to be involved with pause 40 words for the 40 days of Lent. Now, as we think about having been growing together through pursuit, the first video or the first person that we're going to hear from is a person who's part of the City Church family, and she's going to share a little bit about what pursuit meant to her. So let's hear this God story together. Hi, I'm Sarah Garland, and I'm a freshman at Western. I really enjoyed the fast because um, giving up something was really hard, but having um, but having that time to dive into God's word, where usually I'd be giving that time up uh, for the thing that I gave up during the fast, was really nice being able to use that time to dive into God's word and becoming more close to him. One thing that God's been doing in my life, um, school really has been pretty hard, like just staying motivated, staying on top of work and everything, and teaching myself um, what usually teachers would be helping me get through. Having God being there with me, like cheering me on really, and then encouraging me has been very nice. And then also having reach to lean back on and having friends and having um, really a family there has been really great. I'm looking forward to God um, pushing me to reach out to my friends more and maybe um, try to bring them to church and reach. I really enjoyed um, the Sunday nights we have here in the Crozet group because the Crozet group, um, those are people that I know and go to my same school. So being able to talk through all of that was really nice. And having Sunday nights, I'm not able to go anywhere. Um, so having Sunday nights is really nice to be able to see people and talk to people my age about God. 
So one of the things that struck me as Sarah was sharing what God did in her heart and life through the 21 days of fasting and prayer along with the pursuit devotional was that she sensed God encouraging her, calling her to share her faith with her fellow students in high school. Now there's a passage of scripture that I wanted to bring to us that really challenges all of us to do the same. It's 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. Here's what 1 Peter 3.15 tells us. Always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. That verse really struck me, and I thought about Sarah sensing that God's calling her to kind of share her faith with her friends. And yet in 1 Peter, notice how that's framed. It's framed as always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have. I think oftentimes as followers of Jesus, we're very quick to say that Jesus is the hope of the world, and it's true. He's the one that stepped into the world to bring humankind hope. But here Peter challenges us to be women and men that are ready to share the hope of Christ and the hope that we found in him. But one of the things we're aware of here as the leadership of City is that oftentimes people want to share the hope that they have, but they're not really sure how to do that. So one of the things that you'll be discovering that we'll be doing as a City Church family moving in and through this new year is we're going to have an opportunity for people to learn how to share the hope that they have in Jesus effectively. I think sometimes we don't share our faith or the hope that we have in Christ because we're not really sure how to go about that. So in a very practical way, we're going to be providing an opportunity for us to learn what it looks like and how we can effectively share the hope we found in Christ. The other thing that we're prayerfully planning on doing this year is we're going to provide an opportunity where you would be able to invite your friends to a very special thing that we will have that will last over several weeks that you'll be able to invite your friends who don't know Jesus to come along with you and to sit in that kind of a context of dialogue and a context of learning about Jesus where people can ask questions about who Christ is. And this, this thing that we'll be setting up here in and through city will give you an opportunity to invite the friends that you have been praying for and you've been sharing the hope you found in Christ with that they'll be able to attend with you. The other thing that has struck me was that the way Peter talks about the faith of ours in Christ has to do with the hope that we have. I would say this, there's no better time for us to know how to and to be committed to sharing the hope that we found in Christ. There are so many who have lost hope during COVID. And the question often is, where do we turn when we need hope? And there's a proverb that's very clear that says, hope deferred, in other words, hope that never gets to us makes the heart grow sick. And so it's time for us as followers of Jesus to be ready and prepared and equipped to share the hope that we found in Christ and to speak about hope because people desperately, desperately are looking for the hope that can be found in and through Christ. Now, as we're getting ready to move towards Easter, and again, Ash Wednesday will be the beginning of our 40-day devotional as we move towards Easter together. As we do that, one of the things that's interesting to note is that the Apostle Paul, when he speaks of Easter, 
and he speaks of the resurrection, he also, along with the apostle Peter, speaks about hope. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 19 through 20, here's what Paul writes to the church of Corinth. He writes, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. As you look at what Paul writes, he speaks of hope in the context of Christ and his resurrection. What he's trying to say is this, is that Jesus Christ in putting our faith, hope, and trust in him assures us not only is Christ with us this side of eternity, but by putting our faith, hope, and Christ, we know for certain that there is life after death. We know for certain that that's true. And Paul tells us how we know this because he says that if Christ is our hope, we have this assurance that Christ is the first fruits, we just read this, that Christ is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Now, there's kind of a couple words we need to briefly talk about. The first one, where Paul says, fallen asleep. Now, I've preached many, many years, and I've watched people literally fall asleep in the middle of one of my sermons. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is something fascinating happens in the Newer Testament. And that is, is when people are physically dead, physically dead, but they've had to put their faith, hope, and trust in Christ, that suddenly the Newer Testament speaks of them not as being dead, but has, has people who have fallen asleep. In other words, they're going to wake up. Even though they're dead, they're going to wake up. So fallen asleep is this way of framing a Christian who has uh, passed away physically in this world. But then the other thing that the, that the Apostle Paul writes about is this, is that Christ is the first fruits. Being raised from the dead, he is the first fruits of the resurrection. First fruits is a very Jewish concept. And what first fruits is, it's, believe it or not, it's an actual feast in the Jewish faith. It's part of a feast where the Jews were commanded in the book of Leviticus to bring the first harvest that they had from being an agricultural people they were called to bring their first harvest to God and bring it as an act of worship before him. And it was through that first fruits that there was a guarantee of more fruits. If you bring the first to God, there's the guarantee that there will be more, that God will bless in abundance. And so what Paul does is he looks at Jesus Christ as being the first fruits of the resurrection of those who have fallen asleep. In other words, the resurrection of Jesus is true. It's fact. Jesus has been raised from the dead. That's what Easter is all about. It's about the resurrection of Jesus, that there truly is life after death. And as Jesus was resurrected, the apostle Paul looks at Jesus and says, he is the first fruits. He was the offering that was given to God and now behind him will be a huge harvest of women and men and boys and girls who have put their faith, hope, and trust in Jesus. And even though they've died, they've fallen asleep. 
they will wake up again to this new life in Christ which is truly guaranteed in his resurrection that any of us who pass away in this life physically, we will experience life after death. The resurrection is about Jesus Christ as the first fruits. And therefore, the Apostle Paul can say is that anyone who has physically died, they're not dead, they have fallen asleep, but they will awaken again to new life in Christ. Now, the other thing that we have been focusing on is the idea of growing together. All of you know that have been part of City is that we are very focused on discipleship this year and growing together as a church family. That's what Pursuit was all about, and that's what these cohorts that we are offering this fall and or this spring as we're moving through this spring, we're looking at these different courses that we're offering. And so what I thought would be really neat would be to listen to a few people here in and through City who have got sort of their God story because they've already participated in two of the courses that we're going to be offering. Now, the first one is Jamie Gibson. She's a friend of mine. I've known Jamie for many, many years here in and through City Church. But she'll be talking a little bit about the financial peace course in her God story. But I think it's interesting to note that Jesus speaks of money more than he does prayer. And oftentimes when Jesus speaks in money or about money, he is challenging us to keep finances in perspective as God would call us to in the kingdom of God. Well, part of that is stewarding our finances well. So if you would, please now listen to Jamie Gibson as she shares her testimony of having gone through financial peace. Hi, my name is um, Jamie Gibson. Um, my husband and I, Tim, we have attended City Church for over 20 years. Tim and I, we wanted to, to join in on financial peace um, with our daughter being in college and with, our, with the budget and just with her moving out, we just really um, needed to get on a strict budget. Um, and it's been such a blessing to us. With taking the financial course, um, Tim and I, we have learned um, how to budget, um, how important um, it is to communicate about your budget in a marriage. And after 26 years of marriage, um, it's really made us come together and also taken a financial peace class. It's such a nice time to have fellowship with one another. It doesn't matter what season you are in your life, what age you are. You learn so much from Dave Ramsey um, in the Financial Peace course. I would like to share um, a favorite verse of mine that was um, given to us during our taking our Financial Peace course, and that is Psalms 28, 7. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him, and he helps me. My heart leaps for joy with my song, and I praise him. The Lord is the strength of his people and fortress of salvation for his anointed one. So it's wonderful to hear how Jamie, in many ways, partnered with God's word and partnered with God about getting her financial reality in order along with her husband, Tim. Now, not only will our discipleship or is our discipleship dealing with finances, because the Bible speaks about it, 
but there's another cohort or another course that we have been offering here at City and we will continue to as we're growing together through discipleship. And that is EHS, which is Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, and EHR, which is Emotionally Healthy Relationships. Those are two separate courses. But Pastor Gabe has been processing many of us through that. My wife and I actually went through one of these courses together with Pastor Gabe and a cohort of people. And it was a powerful experience as we were taking a look at, in our course that we took, we were taking a look at our marriage together, which was very helpful and insightful. And um, so I just really want to encourage those of you who, if you look at your own heart and life and you would say, you know, I just think that dealing with the emotional reality of my life is something God would be calling me to do, I would encourage you to take part in this cohort that we will be offering. And at this time, we're going to hear from Rachel as Rachel went through this course, and she's going to be sharing a little bit about her God story and what God did in and through her heart as she committed to be growing together and going through the program that Pastor Gabe had been offering. Let's hear what Rachel has to say. Hi, my name is Rachel Trotman. I've been attending City Church since 2019. I'm a member of the worship team, and last February, I had the privilege of participating in Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. So a few takeaways I have from this course is, um, A, that the Lord um, delights in our emotions. Uh, he created them. I also learned a lot about um, the healthy rhythm of rest. Emotionally Healthy Spirituality talks a lot about Sabbath, um, how sacred it is, how holy it is, um, just what a blessing it is to live um, in that lifestyle. So one of the practical ways that I applied um, this rhythm of rest was to actually be diligent about having a Sabbath. And that was a time that I just knew um, I wasn't gonna make any plans. Um, that was gonna be the time that I spend intentional um, hours with Jesus. So I also took Emotionally Healthy Relationships, AHR, um, and it was just a wonderful class. I, I got to take it with two of my roommates, um, so it was a house um, journey, um, and it truly was something that impacted the three of us for, for the better. It changed the way that we communicate with one another, learning how to what it means to actively listen to the people around me, um, and how to address um, conflict in a healthy way. This is a class that was multi-generational. Um, I was able to just form um, really great relationships with, with people that I wouldn't normally rub shoulders with that aren't um, my age, and I was able just to um, gain their wisdom and understanding just because they have that life experience that I don't have. Well, I want to encourage you that if you have not been through EHS or EHR, that these are biblically-based groups and cohorts and teachings, and I would strongly encourage you to take them if you have not already. One of the other things that we are committed to here at City and have been for many, many years is that in growing together, that life groups is central to our church family. Pastor Keith does a wonderful job of heading that up for us. And I really want to encourage you to commit to being part of a life group. I, I think about the season in which we're now in, and I think about COVID and how separated people have become. And most of our, our life groups actually meet via Zoom, 
But even in the midst of that, people have been discovering that they felt supported, they felt like they've been in community, and they, spell, they feel as though people know their names and love them and care for them. So what we're going to do now is we're going to hear from several different people and their experience as being part of a life group. So let's check out these three individuals as they share their hearts with us from the City Church family. Life groups have been a terrific way for my family to get connected with other believers here at City Church. We're called by scripture to build one another up uh, and to encourage one another in community. And life groups have been a terrific way for us to do that in my family. During these times when we're also separated, we've been able to text message each other. We've been able to meet even by Zoom meeting or WebEx and just spend time together during a time when that is harder than ever to do. And it's been a great way to, to be closer to other believers here at City. You know, I've been in a life group for many years and I'll have to say it's probably the one thing that's helped me to grow the most in my relationship with God. There's just something special about meeting with a group of people that are committed to following Christ and growing together. After moving to Charlottesville, life groups were one of the best ways I found to get connected and build relationships here at City Church. Even when we have to meet in socially distant ways or over Zoom, I'm so thankful for the real friends I've made in life groups and the ways we're able to share our lives and encourage each other to follow Jesus. Well, I want to encourage you that if you're not part of a life group, you can very easily go to the City Church website. You can go ahead and sign up and let us know that you would like to be part of a life group and someone will get back with you right away and help you to get into a life group that fits the needs of your life. You know, it's interesting though that life groups and growing together that way isn't something that we invented. It's actually something that comes to us out of the book of Acts. The first time we ever kind of see a checkup, sort of what I'm doing now for the church where we talk about where we've been, how things are going, and even about where we're headed, that's actually something that happens in Scripture. And in Acts chapter 2, verses 46 through 47, we're given a window into the life of the first century church, not long after Jesus was resurrected and ascended to heaven. And Acts 2, 46 through 47 gives us this update, and here's what that scripture says to us. It says, every day they, meaning the first century church, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. By the way, that's a large group meeting. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together. That's small groups. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Again, this is the first checkup that we ever have of any church in the Newer Testament. But what's interesting to notice here is the ingredients of what they're doing. Now, the scripture says they were meeting daily in the temple courts. What does that mean? Well, it's actually quite simple. In the temple courts, is where people would go to study scripture. We even see Jesus doing that, where Jesus was teaching in the temple courts in, in that kind of way of doing things. Jesus was approached, they tried to arrest him a couple of times, and then inevitably, as we know, Jesus was arrested, but we even saw Jesus teaching groups of people in the temple courts. So what we discovered the temple courts was for was for biblical discussion. It was for a form of discipleship where people understood the scripture. The other thing that would happen in the temple courts was prayer and worship. So I want you to notice that in the first century church, we've got Bible discussion, we've got prayer, and we've got worship. And these are three things that are central to the lives of our life groups here at City. 
So again, if you're not part of a life group, I want to encourage you to be a part of one. If you are, please remain faithful as we commit to being a church that is growing together. Now as we close out our time, let's talk practically about putting feet to your faith in the area of growing together. First of all, please commit to being a part of our 40-day journey and devotional towards Lent. Please go on the City Church website. You can actually click on the large icon on our homepage. You can register, and from that, you will be given one of the 40-day devotionals. And I really want to encourage everyone to go ahead and begin to do that even right now, even do that today. Go ahead and commit to doing that so that we will know who's journeying with us and we can support each other as we're going through the 40 days of Lent. The other thing that we're going to be providing for you is that as we get closer to Easter, we're going to be prepping something that we're going to be giving to all of us that will allow us to kind of move through Passion Week, but not just which is the final week of, of Lent or Easter. It won't just be that, but also we're going to be giving invites to each of us so that we can invite friends to worship with us, whether in person or online for Easter Sunday services. So please, putting feet to your faith, commit immediately to being part of these, the pause Lenten devotional, 40 words for 40 days as we move towards Lent. The other thing I want to encourage you to do is commit to being part of one of these discipleship cohorts. If you go to City Church's website, you can see what will be coming, and please go ahead and sign up for one of those and register for one of those that we've been offering. And then putting feet to your faith in last reality would be, but so important, is life groups. Please, if you're not journeying with a group of people in faith, it is so clear in the Newer Testament that that was a commitment that all of the disciples were making. They were committed to growing together, not just in large group in the temple courts, but they were also breaking bread and they were living in discipleship together and committed to growing together in homes in small groups. You know, one of the things that's been really exciting for me as I was thinking about life groups is that I've watched our life groups really lead the way for our church family with outreach in our community to those who are underserved and really practically extending the love of God to those who so desperately need it during COVID. When I was over at West Haven and just doing some things there in that neighborhood, there was a life group that the, one of the last times I was there joined with me and we were able to get a ton of work done in that community and we're a huge blessing to the community. There's also a life group here at City that's involved with food distribution from Buford Elementary School. And it's been so exciting to see that life group serve together so that the love of Christ can be practically demonstrated in and through the city of Charlottesville. Well, I'm excited about what God's been doing in and through City Church. And I'm excited about where we're moving towards as we commit to growing together as a church family. As I conclude this sermon, I really feel led that I'm supposed to pray very specifically for us as a church family. So would you please join me in prayer? Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for who you are. Thank you that you truly do bring hope into this world. God, help me 
Help all of us to be women and men who are committed to growing together, but also help us to be women and men who are committed to sharing the hope that we have found in you, Jesus. Lord, allow us to be women and men that are capable and able to do that and to do it with kindness and love and gentleness and grace and mercy. Lord, I'm praying over City Church and every church in Charlottesville and the surrounding counties that each congregation would be committed to growing together as a church family and thereby really seeing the fullness of the kingdom of God come in our midst and in our hearts and in our lives and in the city of Charlottesville and the surrounding counties. God bless this. Use us for the expansion of your kingdom. And I pray for this and I believe for this now in Christ's name. Amen and amen.